0: Well, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, let me invite you to open it to the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 42 this morning. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for all the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you again for this Easter season. And Father, we thank you for everything that our relationship with Christ means to us. Lord, I do pray that during the rest of this hour, Lord, that you would feed your people. And Father, I pray that we would be able to see how the early church behaved, see what they modeled for us. And Father, I pray that our lives would forever be changed as a result. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, hopefully you're in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. But before we get there, I want to remind you that uh, Luke writes this two-volume set, Luke and Acts, so that he can tell in... Chronological order, everything that Jesus began to do and teach and preach all along the way. And so, uh, Luke maps out for us what Jesus's life looks like. We get to the end of Jesus' life and Jesus uh, lays down his life for us on the cross. Three days later, he raises his own life up from the dead so that we can each have eternal life. The book of Acts tells us that after Jesus raises from the dead, he tells his disciples that they need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes the helper. And if you remember that earlier in Jesus's life, Jesus told the disciples, listen, gang, it's better that I go, because when I go, I will send the helper to you and you'll do even greater things than I did. And so um, let me take us Ron, Would you black out that screen in the back for me? And so Jesus said that it's better that I go because you're going to do even greater things than I did. And that's through the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus tells, excuse me, Jesus tells the disciples, wait here. He says, till you receive the Spirit, and you'll receive power, and the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples are obedient. They wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, tongues of fire come down on each of the disciples. They begin to speak of the great and mighty deeds of God in all these different languages so that All the people from around the world that are gathered together at the temple during the feast of Pentecost can hear and understand the disciples. And Peter stands up to preach in that mix. And Peter says something like this. This is a short version that I'm going to read. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him and in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And Peter's going to go on and he's going to say even more about what happened, giving proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. then at the end of this bold sermon, the people ask Peter, what do we do? And the people are weeping and they're they're in grief because they realize that they've killed the Messiah. And it says in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and this promise is for you and your children and for all who will turn to Christ. And so now we've had uh, Peter's sermon. We've had a response of 3,000 people get baptized that day. And so now the crowd has gone from 120 people who are Christ followers to now there's about 3,120 Christ followers. And this movement of Jesus is picking up steam through the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Amen. And so now you get to one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. You find what the early church is doing and what the early church looks like. And listen, I just want to share with you that as a churchgoer, as a pastor, as someone who's who's been around following Christ, sometimes church can get frustrating, can it not? The way we do church, every once in a while there's frustrations that come our way. Every once in a while there's there's things that we wish were different. Every once in a while you think, you know what, if this is how it's going to be, maybe you think about throwing in the towel every once in a while and say, you know I'll, I'll just fish on Sunday. Ever? Have you ever had this? Maybe you don't fish. Maybe you do something else. All of you are afraid to nod your head, but it's okay. Uh, I appreciate the honesty of the ones in the back who know no one can see you from the front. And uh, they're, they're willing to nod. But listen, I want to encourage you through this text. And this is what brings encouragement to me. Never to give up. ...on the local church because it is God's instrument to to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is designed to be the body of Christ to reach a world that doesn't know Jesus unless the church goes and takes the message of the gospel to them and i want you to see what this church looked like and i want you to see how effective it was in reaching its community and so now we're going to go and not just its community let's not be short-sighted jerusalem judea samaria and the ends of the world and so we jump now into verse 42 Verse 42 says, this is after 3,000 were baptized and added to their number. Verse 42 says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, as we back up and we go through this, there's a couple things that are repetitive. But I want to spend the bulk of our time right there in verse 42. Listen to this. Those 3,120 folks, listen to what they did. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, you need to know something about the apostles' teaching. Uh, if you were a Jew during this day, you would have had what we refer to as the Old Testament. That would have been all that you had. Okay? You don't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You don't have the book of Acts because the book of Acts is in the process of happening and it hasn't been written yet. You don't have any of the letters to the churches like Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. You don't have any of those letters to the churches because those churches haven't even been established yet. So you are in the very beginning of the New Testament. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. Technically, listen to me, technically... The beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before Jesus raises from the dead are all Old Testament, right? All of those people lived under the Old Covenant. And you know that covenant and testament are are interchangeable words. Give me a little head nod just to know that. And so everything that Jesus did in his life is under the Old Covenant. It's not until he dies for our sins and raises from the dead and gives us the Holy Spirit that we're really living under the New Covenant, okay? And so all these believers have is the word from the Apostles. If you remember that after Jesus raised from the dead, he spent time with the disciples and he opened their eyes to the scriptures so that they could understand. And so you have these 12 apostles who who said that it is their job to testify to the resurrection of Christ. Their eyes have been opened and they're able to teach the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures to these new believers. And they're able to show them Jesus in the Old Testament and how he's the fulfillment of everything that they were looking forward to. And so they've dedicated themselves as new believers to the apostles' teaching. We don't have apostles now. And I would strongly recommend that you never go to a church that someone claims to be an apostle. That's just my personal suggestion to you. You You can smile at that, okay? It's okay. They're dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching. We don't need, per se, the apostles' teaching anymore because they've written it down for us to have. We call it the New Testament now all written by apostles and eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. And so now an early church, excuse me, now a church wouldn't submit itself to the apostles' teaching per se, but they would submit themselves to God's word and the teaching of God's word. And so I just want to share with you that if you're going to be a faithful follower of Christ, like these people in the early church, you need to be committed to the teaching, the faithful teaching of God's word. And you don't just need to be committed to hearing the teaching, but listen to what it says. It says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. And so when you're devoted to something, you're not just listening to it and hearing it. But when you're devoted to something, you're hearing it and it is absolutely transforming your life because you have devotion to the very thing that you're listening to. And so if if you and I, we are going to be like the early church and we're going to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit, we needed to be dedicated, devoted to this teaching. Now, I want to hear something, and I want to tell you, and I don't want to hear it, I want to share it with you. This is out of James chapter 1, verse 19. You don't have to turn there. But I want to give you an example of where I think the church as a whole has gone wrong. We're talking about churches in general. I think a, a lot of times we stray from that early church devotion and excitement, Because we gain an appetite to listen to the word instead of being devoted to the word and letting it transform our lives. I think that's where the mix-up happens. And James gives gives a warning against this. Listen to what he says. He says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now listen to what he says. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And listen to what he says. This is the difference between someone who's devoted to the word and someone who merely wants to hear the word. If anyone thinks himself to be, a, to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion Is worthless. I just want to share with you from the bottom of my heart. Pastorally. If you only come one hour or two hours a week. To this property and hear God's word. And it doesn't transform your life. The scripture says that your religion is worthless. And you don't have a religion that will save you on the very day that you need to be saved. Because there is a huge difference. Between listening to something and being devoted to it and changing your life so that it's wrapped around what God says our lives should look like. And so what this naturally leads us into the next section. And so these early believers, they're continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. We should be continually devoted to the teaching of God's word and to fellowship. And so what is fellowship? Fellowship. Fellowship is when people are around each other and they're friendly. Christian fellowship is is a little bit more. Christian fellowship has a sense of intimacy about it where we we can be in fellowship together. We can be in one mind together. And what is it that gives us fellowship? It's the idea that we are a group of people that are together, gathered around one mission, and we're going somewhere joyfully along the way. And so let me show you how you can go from From just a good get together to having good Christian fellowship. Ready? We're gonna have a fish fry tonight, right? It's gonna be fantastic. You're gonna get your, you're gonna scratch that itch for the year that you have to eat herring or hot dogs or white perch, speckled perch. Whatever it is that you want to eat, we're gonna be together and we're gonna eat it. But it would be possible for us just to get together and have a cookout and it not be Christian fellowship. You ever think about that? Just because Christians get together doesn't mean that it's good godly fellowship. This is how you take an event from being a cookout or a get-together or a club and you make it something that the world wants to get its hands on. When you're sitting down and you're eating with somebody, ask them about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Do it. I dare you. When was the last time you as an individual heard something taught or preached out of God's word and then your life was changed as a result and then you shared it with somebody so that they could be encouraged also. And so I'm going to do something that, that could, could be amazing and encouraging for all of us, or it could fall flat on its face, and we'll just pretend that we never did it, okay? You with me? You willing to take a chance? In a second, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. I really wanted to ask you to, to close your eyes and stand up, but I think that's a little more out of your comfort zone, and I don't think I'd get good participation. So I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. If you've ever been in church or anywhere that the word was taught, so this is Sunday school, Bible study, your personal quiet time, you've ever read something in this word and then changed your life as a result, slip your hand up. I've got a few few of these, a few of these. Okay, good deal. Now, did you have an opportunity at church when I say at church, I mean when the body got together. Did you have an opportunity to share with people what happened in your life so that it could be encouraged, encouraging to the rest of the group? Have you ever had that opportunity? A couple. A few. What if everybody whose life was changed by something that they read in this book on a continual basis got to share it with the rest of the Christian community? Wouldn't it be that more exciting I've preached for years and thought that nobody's life was ever changing as a result of preaching because nobody shares with me what's going on in their life when it comes to things that they change because of preaching. It gets a little discouraging sometimes. That's not, don't take that as a complaint though. But listen, when somebody tells me, when I go to somebody's house and they say, hey, you were, you were preaching this and it changed my life. This changes a result. Man, that, that gives me chill bumps. That gives me an excitement that the Holy Spirit is at work in people's life and it's changing. When I asked you to slip up your hand if you ever read something in in God's Word and changed something in your life as a result, wasn't it encouraging to see almost everyone's hand up in some way, shape, or form? Wasn't that encouraging? That's Christian fellowship. That's when talk with each other. We have avenues to talk with each other about what God's doing in your life. How is your life changing as a result of your walk with Christ? And what this does is this this spurs each other on to growing in Christ more. Because there's going to be times where you know that you've been at this church maybe for 80 years, but maybe you're in a dry season where God's not doing anything in your life and you sit with someone young who, who God is doing something in your life and you think, man, I should be doing more for the cause of christ or vice versa maybe you're young and you sit next to somebody who's older and they're telling you about the things that christ is doing in their life and you know that you're in a spot where god isn't doing anything in your life and you need to step up to the plate this is a way that we can help each other grow through christian fellowship and one thing that that is is a little sad about our particular church context is that we don't have an avenue to share things like that it's just something we don't have and so what i want each of us to do is to take hold of any opportunity that comes up to share with somebody about what christ is doing in your life so at the fish fry share with somebody what christ is doing in your life don't be afraid to ask someone what is christ doing in your life right now there's been times where people have come to me and they said hey um what's the what's the word from the lord for today and i thought well i've never really had that question before but you know i'm i'm a little convicted because i haven't had my quiet time yet, and I I don't have a word for you from the Lord today. And I thought, boy, I got a church member who wants to see me at 10 o'clock, and they expect me to have a a fresh word from the Lord, and and I don't, so maybe I need to step up to the plate as a pastor, and it's just encouraging when we as believers talk about Christ more than we talk about other things, and that's a way for us to move from cookouts and club-type atmosphere to good Christian fellowship. And that's not something that we can roll out from the top down and change about a church. That's a grassroots thing where people who love Jesus naturally talk about these things with other believers. And so I want you to try it at the fish fry, okay? Ask somebody about their relationship with Christ so now you all look like you're not coming to the fish fry. That's okay, though. But try it. Give it a shot. See how it goes. So they've, they're committed to the apostles teaching they're committed to fellowship and then they're committed to breaking of bread Now what is this breaking of bread there's a, this is probably two things in one these people are eating with each other they're they're literally breaking bread together in their homes and so they're they're fellowshipping and they're eating together and you know something fascinating about this when you share meals with people you naturally get closer to them It's just something that happens. Fried chicken has a bonding element in it that draws people together, right? Fried fish have a way of drawing people together and enjoying fellowship with one another. It's just natural. And that fellowship is even sweeter, listen to this, that fellowship is even sweeter if you will invite them to your house. Because you fellowship better at someone's house, on their back porch, in their backyard, in their kitchen, than you do at a restaurant. You can have better conversations within the the safety and confinement of your home than you can have at the Heritage House or Bojangles or wherever else it is that you like to eat. And so let me encourage you. Be devoted to God's word in teaching and wrapping your life around what the scriptures say. Let this book change your life. Let me encourage you to be devoted to fellowship where you're going to talk with each other about your relationship with Christ. And then, I want you to to be encouraged to eat together and break bread together. And this word, this kind of phrase where they talk about breaking bread together, it seems that in the early church they would often uh, have the Lord's Supper at the end of a meal, somewhat like Jesus did in the Last Supper. So Jesus shared the Last Supper with all of his disciples, and then at the end of the meal he stood up, he broke bread, and he passed it out. Okay, this is my body which is broken for you take and eat and then he said this is my blood which is poured out for you take and drink And so it was at the end of a meal that they shared the lord's supper And it seems that the early church often had the lord's supper when they were together eating in homes Looking forward to christ's return Okay, then we move on to Prayer and so they were continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer Let me encourage you to take this a step farther Pray with people. Don't only pray before the meal for the meal. Pray for people when you come into contact with them. I do my best. I'm still learning this. I do my best whenever I wrap up a conversation with somebody, whenever I visit them, to try to pray for that individual somehow in some way, shape, or form. And I don't think this is something that's good to do just for a pastor to do for a parishioner, but I think this is something good for each of us to do with each other. Right? Just spend more time in prayer, praying for one another. Wouldn't you like it if somebody dropped by to visit you at work, said, hi, how's it going, and then they prayed for you when they left? Wouldn't that be encouraging? It would be equally as encouraging if you did that for somebody else. People expect me to do it. Boy, if you did it for each other, man, that would be a bonus. What about if one of your coworkers were going through something tough and you just pulled them off to the side and said, hey, let me pray for you. Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't it be neat if the church was known for changing its life to match up what the apostles said? If we were known for fellowship with one another, where we were invested in each other's lives and we cared about what the Lord was doing in each other's lives. We were praying together and then we were inviting each other to our homes to eat that would be awesome. Now just think about this. This is, this is where we're just going gonna to twist just a little bit. When was the last time that you had someone over to your house to share a meal? When was the last time that you had someone not one of your normal friends that was a regular churchgoer over to your house to share a meal? We as a culture have, have lost touch ...with something we call hospitality. We have. We stink at it now. We're not very hospitable. We're quick to, to, to see each other in passing... ...but when it comes to inviting someone into your house... ...it's not something that we just do on a regular basis anymore. Let me encourage you, church... ...to be the change in culture... ...and invite other church members to your house to share a meal... Pray together and talk about what the lord is doing in your life and i'm telling you That our church will quickly become somewhere that everybody wants to be a part of because we'll have that hospitality We'll have that love for each other We'll be breaking bread together and listen to what happened when they were doing all of these things that I just described verse 43 everyone kept feeling a sense of awe And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And so the outside world saw what I just described and they looked in with amazement about what the Lord was doing. You know what would be amazing? I'm telling you, drop dead amazing in our culture. You ready for it? A group of 120 people that all liked each other evenly and all spent time with each other intermingled in and there weren't pockets and clicks and all of these other things involved. Can you imagine if you had invitations from a dozen families this week inviting you over to eat? You were inviting other people over to eat and we all had fellowship intermingled with each other and we all loved each other equally? That would be mind-blowing, and I'm telling you that I've never seen it, and I'm not sure that it exists anywhere. You think I'm kidding. I've got pastor friends around the world, and none of them have it. I'm telling you, if we had it, if we began to change our lives around this book, if we began to eat together in our own homes, if we began to fellowship with each other, asking each other, Hey, how's your relationship with the Lord going? if we cried together, if we celebrated together, if we did all of those things together, pushing each other further and further to Christ, I'm telling you that Windsor and Bertie County would look in at what we were doing with amazement. And do you know what happened with, what hasn't happened with all that I just talked about? We don't need a capital campaign to do any of that. We don't need a dollar more to be given in the offering plate. We don't need another event. If we started doing that, I tell you what we'd do. We'd end up canceling church events because what I just described would be so much more effective than anything else that we do. If we all cared about each other spiritually, and loved each other and ate together and fellowship together. Man, it would knock your socks off. And it would be something that the community looked on with awe. And in a matter of 24 months, you know what else guaranteed to happen? They'd ask me to write a book about it. Right? I'd go on tour preaching about how'd you do this with your church. That, I'm, I'm, I say that laughing. And I'm not saying that I want that, but I'm saying that it would be so mind-boggling that I guarantee you that would happen. And so some of you have just thought, hey, if we share meals together, we get you out of here, right? Just, just messing, just messing. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And so we've talked about signs and wonders before. What this means, oftentimes, when the gospel goes somewhere new, And there's no written word that signs and wonders accompany the testimony of those who are telling people about Christ for the first time. And so God gives proof to people who have never heard that what these men and women are telling you is attested by signs and wonders. You can believe it. And then once those people begin to believe, life change begins to happen in those individuals. Then the signs and wonders cease because people can see changed lives as an evidence of what God is doing in this area. So signs and wonders are being accompanied in different places where the gospel's going out. In verse 44, and all those who had believed, listen to this, they were together and they had all things in common. So they were they were like-minded people. And what is the like-mindedness that we need to have? It's that the name of Jesus needs to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? And so there's very few things that we need to all ascribe to. So we've got a statement of faith that we believe that says what we believe is the Scriptures to be true. And then as a local body of believers... We just need to understand that that the purpose of our church is to see us grow, right, in our relationship with Christ, to reach others with the gospel, and that's really the only things that are important, okay? You've got our statement of faith. We need to grow, and we need to be reaching others so that they can have eternal life in heaven as well. And so they're all together. They have all things in common. Now listen, what we're getting ready to talk about is a little bit, it can be a little bit weird in our Western context, but I want to read it and go through it so they have all things together in common verse 45 and they began selling their property and possessions and they were sharing them with all as anyone might have need day by day continuing with one mind in the temple breaking bread from house to house they're taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart and so what's going on is that you have these people who are spreading the gospel to different places. It starts with 120. And then 3,000 give their lives to Christ. And those 3,000 people that gave their lives to Christ. It's feasible to think that they were from other nations. Right? They're from other places. that may have heard the gospel for the first time in their native tongue. They only came to Pentecost... the the feast of Pentecost for a short amount of time. Now they've heard the gospel and it has absolutely changed their life and they have to stay in Jerusalem longer than they intended so they can learn more about this newfound faith that they have so that they can grow in it and take it back where they came from. So it makes sense that you have all of these people in Jerusalem who are being saved for the first time And now they need to stick around in Jerusalem a little bit longer. And so there would have been severe physical need because you've got all these people who weren't planning on being there for that long. But now they've heard this message of Jesus. Jesus is raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit's given. They've got to stay in Jerusalem. And so what the church does is they compile their goods so that they can they can keep everyone alive, right? They can share things so that everyone can eat, so that the gospel can be dispersed amongst the nations. And this seems to be something that took place Amongst this first church, it doesn't seem to be something that is prescriptive that paul gives to all the other churches Paul's advice peter's advice to all the other churches is that you be generous Is that whatever you have in your possessions you only have because god gave you as a tool to reach other people for christ So that you can be a conduit of god's blessing to the people around you Right, there's it's never prescribed anywhere else that you sell everything you have so that you can feed Every single person that comes your way. Right? Some of you are like, good. So, they got rid of their property and possessions. They're sharing as anyone might have need. And then it says in verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. So, day by day, this group of early believers is getting together. I'm going to share with you again from the bottom of my heart. If you're a Sunday morning only type person, that's not getting it done in your life. Nobody grows only through 30 minutes of God's preaching in one week. Am I saying that you have to come to every time that that I or your Sunday school teacher opens their mouth to teach? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if we're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching... We've got to be in this word and we've got to be fellowshipping with like-minded believers day by day. That's the only way to grow. Most nights when you go to bed, you plug your cell phone in because it needs a recharge. You need a recharge just like all of your electronic devices. We do a Sunday morning service. We do a Wednesday night prayer meeting service. That Wednesday night prayer meeting service is a recharge for you during the week. We pray together as a church. And it recharges us that come to make it through the rest of the week. Because you should be at your workplace. You should be in your home if you're a stay-at-home mom. You should be, wherever it is you are, pouring out Jesus to people all week. And you should get plugged back in at our church and be able to recharge on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And so these people are, they meeting day by day Continuing with one mind in the temple. They're breaking bread from house to house. And so that we talked about this. They're sharing meals with each other at different people's houses. They're taking their meals together. Listen to this, how they're eating. They're not coming together and just talking about their day. They're meeting together. They're having their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And so these people, when they get together, they're praising God even when they're meeting in their own houses. And so the the praise of God isn't confined to one space, but this is something that naturally overflowed out of these people's lives. The praise of God. And then had gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, don't ever give up. On the local church. Don't ever stop trying to make. The local church and your Sunday school class. Look like the early church did. Because I'm just crazy enough to believe. That when we do the things that are prescripted to us by God. That he will add to our numbers daily. Those who are being saved. When they get added to the number daily, that is souls who used to have an eternal home in hell and now they have eternal life in heaven with God. And so don't think added to their number daily means that the church is going to grow and it's going to be thousands of people. Their people are going to be added to the kingdom daily. God's forever home for us in heaven is big enough to hold all of them. And so brothers and sisters, please don't rest. Until we put our nose to the plow and help the church look like it did. And it was committed to those four things that we described. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that the early church was committed to the apostles' teaching. It was committed to prayer, it was committed to breaking bread together and to fellowship. And Father, I pray that those things would all be important to us as well. Lord, I pray that we would never be hearers of your word and not doers of the word. And Father, I pray lastly, that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as a personal Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that today would be the day they repent of their sins, and put their faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand for our hymn of invitation. And then Team Kid is coloring eggs after that. The youth are going to be helping Team Kid color those eggs. And then our Sunday school teacher appreciation dinner. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you'll RSVP with me or Lois tomorrow, we'd appreciate it. Sound good? Can't wait to see you guys tonight. Eat some fish and have some fellowship. Amen? Let's pray together. Dr. Tarkington, would you close us in prayer?